What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Smoking Tire Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Brio Beardscape. This thing is rad. It's a portable buzzer with a huge battery, a powerhouse of a motor, and blades made of ceramic rather than stainless steel, so they get corroded less, and they have to be lubricated less often. I've been using the Brio Beardscape for like a year and a half. This thing is sweet. It's the same size as a normal razor or a, a buzzer. Comes with a series of attachments. It's got a nice little carrying case. The battery lasts 180 minutes of use. That's a lot of shaving, people. For me, that's like a full year of shaving, and uh, it's awesome. I don't have to eat, I don't have to oil it every single time I use it. I probably do it every other one, but it's just it's a nice, nice piece of hardware. I recommended it to a lot of people. Hit up Brio for Life. That's B R I O the number four life dot com. Use code Smoking at checkout to get the best price on the internet for the Brio Beardscape. That's Brio for Life dot com slash smoking. We got Continental belts and hoses, people. You don't always think about them, but they are there waiting. Your belts and your hoses under your hood, they're made of rubber. If you live in a dry climate, they can crack, they can puncture, they can rupture, leaving you stranded on the side of the road. Even if you're not necessarily in a dry climate, it can happen with age. These parts get dry rotted, and it's not necessarily stuff you're looking at with every service. Continental makes belts and hoses to an OE quality. They are OE on tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line, and they're also OE on the majority of BMWs and Volkswagens. Now they've launched the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. It's their OE technology series, belts that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has an OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of the vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. You get enough surprises working with cars and trucks, a belt shouldn't be one of them. Go with the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the belt with the OE pedigree. Get the full story at oetechnologyseries.com. And from now until July 1st, we've got the Overtaker's Pass shirt on our Blipshift store. Go to blipshift.com slash TST, blipshift.com slash TST. Get this exclusive limited edition t-shirt from now until July 1st only. Get it before it's gone forever. All right, on this episode of the podcast, we got Aaron Robinson of Haggerty Magazine, and back with him is Lynn Woodward of kellybluebook.com. These guys uh, went together to Normandy to celebrate the 75th anniversary of D-Day and came home with a military Jeep. Lynn came on the show recently and uh, mentioned their trip, and I thought that is a story I'd like to hear. So today on the Smoking Tire Podcast... Aaron Robinson and Lynn Woodward. It's a pewter Panamera. It's a Panamera? <laughs> yeah. I think it was from the GTS launch, maybe. It's kind of cool. I have a pewter Pajero. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> that sounds disgusting. Ew. That, that sounds, sounds like disgusting. a sex toy. A it little really bit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> mm. uh, what up, folks? We're going to drop in. It's a Smoking Tire podcast. How y'all doing? It's, uh, I thought I had a double header today. Turns out I just wrote my schedule wrong. So it's just you guys, which is good. <laughs> I thought I had a show at one, but it was that that show was on one on uh, July twenty fifth. <laughs> Aaron Robinson in the building. That's me from Haggerty. Can you point your microphone up a little bit? Oh, like like that? Yeah, that's into the Go. mouth part of into your my face. nostrils. And Lynn Woodward's back. Hi, kbbizzle.com. Hi. I had. I think he's your boss. Is Harley your boss? Uh, kind in, of. Indirectly, I've got like four bosses. 
Um, but yes, he is. I have eight bosses right now. Um, yes. He was here yesterday. Yeah, he said show. he said he had a really good time and to say hi. It was a lovely time. And he his commute, Michael oh. Harley's commute. Oh, that's not a commute. That's a migration. 96 <laughs> miles each way. In, in yeah, L- across L.A. Oh, from, yeah, like right, yeah. right yeah. across. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not a commute. It's an action adventure he gets story. Up, he gets up at 4, like he leaves yeah. at 4 o'clock, like 4.15 every morning. Yeah, that's crazy. Yes. I, I, I don't know Very how great. he does it. I, I, I hope they pay him a lot of money. That's, well, that's I've, a haul. I have I've mentioned many times that he should reach out to Airstream and yes. do a long-termer yeah. in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. At, and just it doesn't move anywhere. Have a little crash pad. That's right. Mike Guy style. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, Genius. Follow Lynn Woodward on the Instagram, L-Y-N underscore Woodward. Two underscores because oh, someone double, else sorry. out there has a, a one. It's a double underscore. It's the weirdest thing. And Mr. Air Air. Robinson, Air Robinson. Look at this guy. <laughs> right. Oh, oh my yeah. God! Tell me everything, Air Robinson. So who, who made the comment that I looked like, uh, like a Teletubby? Airborne Teletubby. That oh, that's so James funny. James Lipman. <laughs> you are yeah. standing in front of a biplane. <laughs> it looks very old. It is. How old is that thing? Uh, Thirty-nine. <sighs> As in 1939? Yeah, as in 1939, yes. yeah. So 80 years old. Are you, and what are you, what are you doing with this thing? Uh, I was flying in it, actually. Um, guy down there, we have, there's several of those at our airport, and um, uh, one of the guys, United Airlines captain, he's, uh, well, he will be a captain soon. Um, he uh, took us for a ride. He's actually teaching a mutual friend of ours, uh, George Nataris Motoman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, I had dinner with George, and he told me he bought a plane, and I was like, yeah, cool, man. And he goes, guess what the wings are made of? <laughs> and, I, Paper and, and I was like, what kind of a question? <laughs> hope that. A hope and a prayer. <laughs> then he tells me, canvas. And then I was like, really? And he goes, yeah, you want to go up? Like, nope. Never. <laughs> Is that what these wings are made of? Too, yes. Canvas? Yes, they are. Uh, at one time, all aircraft were that, built that way. That's not a sop with camel, is it? Uh, later. Okay. That's that. This is right. Before they were like, yeah, we don't need the second wing, All right. just one wing. Yeah, and then that was it. So uh, these would these were like primary trainers. So believe it or not, guys went from the farm fields mm-hmm. in their high schools to these to, to World P- War Two fucking P fifty ones. Yeah, I mean, it's like well, you're wearing a shirt that says "Fighter Rebuilders." Oh yes, uh, on it. Speaking which, of which, is that a club for rebuilding fighter planes? Is I that was, what it sounds like no. I was at Chino Airport with a friend of mine uh, getting gas and lunch, and we stopped in the gift shop at the the museum there, yeah. and I saw this shirt, and I'm just I like. I like shirts that are obscure. You yeah, know, like fighter rebuilders. What's that? You yeah, know? not does it like P fifty one. Fucking. Do we no, know like, what it is? Uh, it's a company out at uh, Gina that rebuilds fighter planes. I believe fighter rebuilders. Yeah, Chino, California. Chino, California. There you go. Oh, they have, they have a face bizzle page with. Uh... That's how you know they're a good shop. <laughs> That's how you know. when all they have is a Facebook <laughs> page that was made by the customers, yeah, not themselves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's when you know we don't need a, no online presence. That's a place. Yeah, they're <laughs> they trying just have to hide. They're enthusiasts. That's right. They they are trying to hide. <laughs> um, so you guys, you know, Lynn was on here on the show a couple weeks ago, and started telling me about your guys's like uh, N- Normandic adventure. Yeah, Can you, is Normandic a word? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> let's, go let's move it. past that. That's right. <laughs> um, can, because last time you're here, we were talking about your ambulance. Right. And uh, Is that the last time. Nah, maybe not the last time, but one times ago. It was a couple times ago. I admire your memory. 
considering, right? right. <laughs> I don't remember talking about ambulances. I ask my wife how my memory is; she'll give you a different story. Um, but uh, so well, congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah. I haven't yes. seen you since that. Though. Yeah, yeah. Mary's were amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Carbon yeah. fiber ring. I saw that. He fucks with it. It that's glows really in the dark. Cool. That's why you got married, just so you could wear a fucking right. carbon fiber ring. I was not into rings at all. And <laughs> even you this, find out that you could have one. In even fiber. this one from the first couple of days, I was like, I don't like this. I've, it finally, I finally don't feel it anymore. But it's so like. What? It's, it's a third of a gram. Oh my god! It's <laughs> so light. It looks like something you get out of a cereal box. It yeah. totally that's does, amazing. and it costs that much too. <laughs> no. Uh, wow. No, it's great. I really but like it. It kind of has like little triangles. That it's like a what's well, the weave? Pattern. It's the that's weave. Awesome. And like it, it's got like sort of a zigzaggy kind of thing happening. That's and awesome. I can actually. Well, I can the good thing is it's um, not metal. I mean, uh, yeah. So you can you know work on starter motors Here, without. Wait. I'll even disconnect the batteries. I'll plug. Oh shit! That's a thing you got to worry about. Oh huh? yeah, your finger will go. Oh okay, that's off. good to know. Hang on, that, good tip there. Here's mine. This is this is my what? ring. It's called the Lumineer, and that's the oh. color it glows under UV light. The, oh. Yeah. yeah, the no, goof is that so it's a stripper. Like it's the, a stripper repellent. This is for the club. This is for the it's club. A, who I wants to know. advertise their wedding ring at the club? Yeah, someone the who's black like light. trying to not have a good time. Right? <laughs> but at least it's not titanium, where like if you you can't get it cut off, right. If you need to get yeah. it cut off. No, for this some is reason. this is very fun. This ring, I'm very stoked on this thing. Wow, it's I'm uh, I'm yeah. impressed. That's the business. Mine That's costs business. That is. Yours cost more than that? Well, because it's yours is like real. Traditional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at real rings too, and then I went, <laughs> <laughs> Can I Amazon Prime this? <laughs> <laughs> Do you get this back? Of the yeah. Divorce no, series? Hannah got all the, the ring credits. They all went to Hannah. Uh, I got yeah, nothing. Yeah. That's usually how it works. Um, My so, a friend of mine once advised me buy a bag of rings because he's like, You're always going to yeah. get them damaged in the shop. I, and actually, I have, I have two. I still haven't worn the other one. Yeah. It's also carbon fiber, but it has some like metal around it too i haven't taken it well as a man who's been married 20 almost 21 years i can tell you you're gonna lose it so (laughs) it's good that you bought two because i wish i had bought this is my second one i wish i had bought two as well i am proud glad glad with my decision right now and i hope carbonfibergear.com stays in business i'm sure they will with my plugs that's right it probably costs them what is their cost on this a dollar dollar. yeah (laughs) maybe a dollar (laughs) maybe um, well, no, it's more than that because they lose the guy every time they put it in the oven. Sorry, get a new guy to wear the ring. It's a in the dollar oven. and murder. Uh, <laughs> That's right. Uh, what's happening, Aaron? Uh, well, so catch up our with Norm- you, Haggerty. Do you want to talk about the Normandic adventure? You want to talk about a new issue? I want to okay. talk about the Normandic adventure, but but Lynn got to to. Uh, I want to catch up with you because Ben Kish Lynn was just here. So Haggerty, yeah, Haggerty, you, you're staffing up with a bunch of heavy hitters. Yeah, you got Jack, Jack Ruth. Uh, right? Who else? Larry's over there. You're over there. Who else is at Haggerty right now? I don't now? know if this is public, but we just picked up Patrick Bedard as a columnist. Fuck for out our, of here! Did you really? Our website. He's is he wearing a four? 45? He's coming out, coming out of retirement. Wearing the 45. I mean, that name may not mean anybody to, has, oh, to anybody yeah. who hasn't been reading Car and Driver for you know Forever. 40 years. But yeah. I, the man, I, the one thing I'll say about the man, it, just to fill in anybody who doesn't, he went from, in 1971, and you could still do this back then, but only a special person could do this. He went from total driving school greenhorn, like the green flag means go, <laughs> the checkered flag means this. To Indy 500 in 1982, I think. What in one year? No, he went so over about ten years. Oh, okay. he, 
crawled yeah, yeah, up yeah. the ladder with, and he's not, you know, I mean, just what, himself just as, like, an, just as an amateur, write checks like people do. He just, you know, talked sponsors and, 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 and he went to Le Mans. I mean, he drove Daytona, you know, so he, and he was also probably the preeminent automotive journalist. Well, I actually don't even really know much about his racing career. I know him as the legendary writer the who wrote all this Patrick great Bedard. stuff when I was a kid and had yes. a, and had the you know the the illustration of his face. Yeah, exactly, uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's how what a get to get him. Yeah, that's exactly. Bitching. So uh, it was totally Bruce uh, Jack Baruth, our new uh, website uh, <laughs> Diane. He uh, he uh, it was his idea to call him. Um, this one? Yeah, um, that's amazing. I I'm, I was just flipping through your magazine. There's some awesome looking articles. <laughs> yeah, I get the magazine as a Haggerty insurance client. Do you now? Have you uh, received that one yet? No, not okay. not yet. No. Um, yes. Yeah, so this one Atlantic I just got in the mail genius. last week. I get a box them right after they come off the printer, and um, hopefully yours is not smudged up because I guess a few of them have had <laughs> smudgy covers. Smudge? That's okay. Um, I'm not that picky. You get the pre-production what version. I, what I do it. like is this article you've pulled up on basically the original Safari cars. Yeah. We've so, got the Eagle. Uh, is that the Premier? What is AMC Eagle. AMC Eagle. Yeah, wagon. We've got the Brat, the and we've got the Volkswagen thing. Yeah, so the idea behind that story was um, back then in the 70s, um, car companies still had a sense of humor. Like It was like, let's... Just do, uh, you know, this kind of car pickup, and we'll give it uh, the name of the uh, buy, drive, recreational, all-terrain transporter. <laughs> and maybe some people will buy it. Maybe some won't. If, if they don't, whatever. Like, I mean, they, they could have a sense of humor back then, and, and weird cars got produced, like the Volkswagen thing and the AMC Eagle, which actually was, of all of them, the most successful uh, really kind of saved AMC in a dark period. Um, but anyway, so we were like, and, and they were they were meant to go off-road. Yeah. You know, or at least they were pitched of, yeah. as being able yeah. to go off-road. Appear- appearance. Yes, we found out that that's actually not true. They were, they were kind of <laughs> shitty off-road, especially the Brat. I mean, th- no car makes more promise and delivers less than, than the a Brat. brat? Than really? The, well, because it's got four-wheel drive got written all over bit. it. Yeah, it's yeah. actually got a two-mode transfer case. There's a low gear on really? it. Really? Yes. But when you get underneath it, you realize it's made out of riveted rice paper. <laughs> and if you actually go off-road to any significant degree. Is that you? Tree, oh. That's no, not you. That's no. not me. Wow. Is that, that is Doug? A... Oh, that's Doug DeMuro. I'm not... I... That does look like our car, though. It does. Um, it does. Here, I'll, I'll give Doug a little... I'll give Doug some love. That's definitely Doug. And sitting in the back of that brat... <laughs> But you know when you, you drove one of the, the silver brat here, the yeah, yeah, I article. drove it here. I, I, um, you know, when you buy one, which is what ended up happening, we were trying to get a guy to loan us one, and no, you know, people were like, yeah, whatever. And so I ended up going on Craigslist. <laughs> I, listen, sir, I don't need the exposure. <laughs> exactly. I know what I have, yeah. <laughs> and I know I, that when you take it on <laughs> dirt, it will fall apart. It's gonna, <laughs> you're going to deliver back to me a pretzel. So, um, so I ended up going on Craigslist, and I called this guy, and the guy's like, he it literally, he was like, oh my god, I literally just sent the ad. Yeah, like, you have I, to I tell him, but you have to tell him how much it was for. Send ring. How much? Were they how much they was? They were asking for. Well, the it. guy was asking sixty five hundred bucks for a brat with one hundred fifty six thousand miles on it. Okay, and um, I talked him down to I six have. grand. And literally, as I'm talking to him, like his phone is clicking with other calls. And so I said, "All right, six grand. I'm coming. I'm gonna get the cash. I'm coming <laughs> over, over place. right now." He's out in Upland, so it was quite a quite a. You can just can you just hear his phone ding ding, ding. <laughs> literally ding. literally. So that. when I get there, he was like, "Well, you said you were coming, but I wasn't sure. But I took I had to take the ad down because so many people were calling." 
Anyway, so that's... So, last time, I not to name drop too heavy, but it's pertinent to this car. Last time I saw Seinfeld, he told me he was shopping for brats. <laughs> time well, now? to... All right. Do you have his number? That was, time to that make was, a phone that call. That was like... He, the ones he was looking at, there was a couple at like... Uh, like the pebble auctions, like they were oh, like perfect. Oh. perfect. Yes, forty. He only buys perfect. Yes, like forty Gs. Or yeah, whatever. that's 30, not 40. that's not yours. Mine's not perfect. No, no. Um, oh. your your seats in the back are duct taped in. <laughs> Are they? Yeah. That's OEM, though. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I had to buy stock, you guys. It took it's forever perfect. to find OE tuck, duct tape for it. Um, but when you buy one, everybody comes out of the world because it's oh, yeah, dude, my friend in high school had one of those. We beat the shit out of it. And you're like, well, that's why there aren't any around. And you're like, it's that's this right. one. That's right. And, and it's because it said four wheel drive and it had four wheel drive and it had this thing that you pull up and puts it and it just would fall to pieces if you actually took it off road. So that's, right, what about the AMC Eagle, though? Because that one really seems like they, they really made an effort. Well, this so this is great. The ground, great thing about ground clearance is so deceiving. Well, he's got big. He's got like thirty one. Oh, those, those are not those stock are not tires? stock tires, okay. and he's got shims in the suspension. This is a guy who lives up in uh, Pasta Robles who uh, who brought the car down. And um, the thing about the AMC Eagle is, if you go to back to 1979 when the car came out. You know, we like to think of underdogs as like still having a chance. That's actually That's his car. That's Michael Johnson. Is the one? Yeah. Perfect. Um, we like to think of underdogs as having, you know, some chance. AMC was not an underdog. They were a basket case. I mean, you know, Roy Chapin Jr. was running the company. Uh, he was like, I, I will go to my grave wondering why the Pacer doesn't sell 150000 a year. Like, that's how out wondering. of touch they Straight were. Wondering. Like, they produced the Pacer, and they're like, why isn't people, why aren't people buying it? We don't get it. So they... This car was really... I have no idea. They, they took a car that they already had called the Concorde, and they, they were the first guys to put a viscous coupling all-wheel drive system. I mean, it's, it's quite sophisticated for its day because uh, even though the viscous coupling is not electronic, it actually does send torque. They to... used it in the Lamborghini Diablo. Well, Let's go. just say that. <laughs> like, And they called it revolutionary. Ten years later. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah. So, you know, it was quite sophisticated for its day, and it was very expensive. I mean, 1980, this wagon... What was this new? This thing was like ten grand. I Fuck out of here! They were really expensive, and I they never sold... occurred to me that a wood paneled car could be that something that looks like this could be. And so expensive. this this car actually killed the Pacer because they needed so many more units. The dealers were screaming for them. They needed so many more units. They're like, they just uh, abandoned, yeah, just strangle Pacer. it, kill it off, because we need the space in the factory. So. Uh, it actually did very well, and it they built it for like eight years. I mean, it, it did extremely well for How them. How do these drive? Uh, like trucks. I mean, is they're... it basically a truck with a car body dropped on it? I mean, no, pretty much. It's a car, but it's a unit. It's is it a unibody. It's a unibody. Okay. Um, but I know no, shockingly little about these I, cars. I'm sorry. I actually only drove it off road, so oh. I can't tell you what it drove. Wonderful off road. How about the, the especially compared to the other two? Because it's not meant thing? to. Yes. The thing doesn't really seem like it should be. I mean, this picture you have here, which is a great image. Yes. Uh, and you can pick up the Haggerty Mac. Can people buy Haggerty magazine? They can go on Haggerty.com and join Haggerty Drivers Club oh, yeah, for okay, 45 cool. bucks, and then they will get every issue. I'll show the picture. It's like the Brat 
is in a place it really should not, it should be. not be. And what's funny is it looks like it's a place that was easily avoidable yeah. well, <laughs> on the side, and yet someone chose like not so, the easy line to take. Someone chose to place I, the place. That there. is a photo of the moment that I learned what all Brad owners eventually learn, which is that the thing does not very good upright. Because I was like, I got four wheel low, and I'm just getting. And they were like, Can you go up that hill? You know, and the that guy little hill, this that, tiny hill with, with these little pebbles, on these pebbles on. My here. coworker has the thing. And he's like. I'm not going up that thing. And the guy with the AMC is like, uh, yeah, no, dude, you go. And so I was like, <laughs> I put it in four-wheel low, and I got about yeah. a third of the way up it. I blew a tire. Oh like I was God. about to break the prop shaft. Yeah, I'm not going up that thing, but I'm going to ride it like a bucket bronco. Could you also, bronco. could someone explain the end? There's a picture of a Volkswagen <laughs> thing here. Doing a legitimate endo. Yeah. Is it flying, or it's, is that? Well, that's the last, that's the final moment. And you can tell by the look on Logan's face that <laughs> death is imminent. <laughs> Wait, is it the final moments of this car did you kill the car no we tried but we did not kill it um but this is the landing of a jump well okay or or a break endo let me go back to the beginning of this story which is that i suggested (laughs) we do this story and my boss larry webster former co-worker of mine car driver said let's do the story but you got to get a picture of a car jumping okay like that's that's the requirement and so we spent the entire day out there in Barstow so looking for a place to jump the car where we could jump it. Nobody would die. We wouldn't roll it. you know. And so we spent the entire day looking. Oh we couldn't God. find it. And there were places where you'd have to be going 80 miles an hour to jump. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. So finally, at the very end of the day, there was this little where we had the, the original parking spot right by the road where we had set up. And there was this kind of. Um, cliff, I guess you would say, or a bluff. A and, yeah. <laughs> and so we were like, uh, all right, who's jumping? And then two of us with the Brett and the Eagle just she stepped really one step backwards. <laughs> and Logan was like, oh, okay. So he did a couple of couple of tries at it at medium to low to medium speed. And then we're like, nah, nah, yeah, nah. So then he just... Send it, bro. Absolutely floored it. I didn't it. pay much attention to the front cover when it came in, but yeah, the, the launch is the yes, front The cover, launch yeah. is the best. And he kind of forgot oh. to Secure thing. So what you can't see is like all of the shit in the car, including the car's battery, levitating. Zero G. Levitating. <laughs> thank God for Zero thank God G. for Photoshop. Uh, that's so funny. So uh, like it. Uh, well, life in that magazine, huh? Yeah. So we are we're, we are having a very good time. Good at Haggerty. Do you have to go to Traverse City very often? Uh, I've been twice since keep, in two and a half years. So, oh, no, so not no. often. I can um, actually keep hearing nice things about. Traverse yeah, not City. that I don't want to go. I mean, it's I grew up in Michigan, and so I. But it's a wonderful place. It really is. It's just not easy to get to. Yeah. So um, UP. Is it UP? No, no. It's, it's uh, upper it's, LP. Yeah, yeah, on the hand. It's down here. Oh, sorry. So, sorry. Uh, anyway, that's okay. That's LP. Fine. That's not right. UP. My no. Michigan. My Michigan is what is wrong good. with you? Sorry, my bad. Learn to talk Michigan, dude. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, we were having a good time. And then following that, uh, so you got to do a real quickly, some muscle, muscle yeah. Mopar. So we got a 69 charge that was made in the Dodge main plant in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And then we got a 72 uh, Chrysler Valiant charger that was made in Tonsley Park in Australia in 72. Oh. Most people don't know this, but Australia had their own muscle cars, and and Chrysler actually built a Charger for Australia that was only for Australia, and that's a very. I actually owned one huh. for four or five years. Which one was nicer? Uh, well, it kind of depends on your taste. Okay. I mean, the American Charger is worth more. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have fonder memories of it. Um, it's a great car to run on the freeway. It's gigantic, right? Um, even though it was the B body, the medium size. 
The Australian one's more European. The, the Australian's actually on the A body. It's actually on the Dart chassis. So here's um, here's an, the Australian one, yeah, yeah. which is really an interesting looking uh, vehicle, actually. It's very cool. I mean, it looks so much different. The proportions are much more European. But then when you start looking at the details, like the sawed-off face and the way the bumpers wrap around the corners and how the rear glass is inset as these, you know, between yeah. these kind of flowing buttresses, that's... That's straight up Mopar of 1970. I mean, you yeah. know, they all had that. So were they built better down there? No. Okay. Definitely not. I, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I got you're totally not missing shot. out. Well, but, so my friend Paul Zuckerman, uh, who's on Spike's podcast, mm -hmm. he's an attorney and he travels all over the world and he buys peanut M and M's everywhere he goes, and he has observed. Mm -hmm. Everybody, I got think their correctly, thing. they're different. That not only they're different. Americans have the worst peanut M&Ms. Every no. other country has, has better quality peanut M&Ms than us. They're, they're more symmetrical. It's like they're more round. They're like they're bad. They get the better ones, and ours are like lumpy and misshapen. And shit. Uh, another you can't reason, have anything nice. Another reason to hate the Myers family. But that's why I, anytime right. someone builds a sweater, it's for you. Thank you. Anytime someone when Chrysler's building cars somewhere else, I want to know if they got it better. That's all. Yeah. Well, so what was nice to drive? You said depending on your taste. What does that mean? Well, here's the cool thing about the the Australian version. So you know the the Dodge Charger has this 440. Thump, 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 you know it's mm -hmm. big, huge V8. The Chrysler has an inline six that was only for Chrysler. People think it's a slant six. No, it's about three inches long on the slant six, and um, it has a triple Weber setup. It was a factory option to homologate it for racing. So when you start this thing, and it's kind of muscle car like, but when you start it, it sounds like a Maserati. Huh. You know, because there's all this like from the induction, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then this bzzz out the back, and it's really. Uh, I one guy pulled up to next to us at the light. He's like, "What is in that thing?" Because it, it it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like, like a Maserati. It totally sounds Italian. How interesting! And, um, so it's it's a weird kind of mashup of of cultures and and cool. design and, and. I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's it's fantastic. Totally cool. Are they worth anything here? No, they're worth nothing here because people are like, yeah, it's not an American, you know, it's yeah. not a charger. And right. they're, they're just like, ah, whatever. And then, but if you're in Australia, they're worth big money. I mean, that this car, even though this is a replica, so that it wasn't delivered with the RT and that, that triple weapon setup, it's kind right. of been made into it, let's call it a tribute car. That car in Australia is worth 50 or 60 grand. Oh, okay. And here it's worth like 25, yeah. 30. It'd be, I think, you know, It'd be pretty cool. I think it's cool to be different. I think it'd be a lot of fun to have something. Well, like and that. the guy, the guy who owns it, him and his partner own two. Of, actually, they have three Australian Chryslers, and they were like, "Yeah, we just wanted something different." So it's easy to be different if you drive on the other side of the car. Mm -hmm. That's right. It is indeed. I mean, it's kind of weird because it's got a pistol shift, a pistol oh, shifter. That's that weird he, for your left hand. But he had it made. It had a custom made with a left hand. You know, like you know, the grip. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, did it not come with the left hand? No, it just came with a ball. Oh, so, so okay, he had it, one got made. Got it, he was, yeah, he yeah. was like, there was a guy at the Mopar show who make these, and he was like, would you make a left hand? And he was like, sure. And so he made a left-handed one. That's pretty cool. I like that. Oh. Um, I want to talk about Normandy, but first, real <laughs> quick, have I ha have either of you guys seen the Alec Baldwin DeLorean movie? I have no, not. No, but John I've DeLorean. heard. Have you seen I've it? Heard, I watched it last night. I've heard really good things about it. You heard good things. Yeah, yeah. I heard it was interesting. Who did you hear that from? <laughs> uh, probably, <laughs> probably the filmmaker. Yeah, somebody who doesn't really? work in the other industry. This movie is weird. Really? As, yeah, it's really strange. Worth this, we're worth, about, worth seeing. About the movie called Framing John DeLorean on Amazon Prime. No, uh, not Am yeah, Amazon Prime. Sorry, with Alec Baldwin. Uh, but isn't it like sort of half documentary, half like reenactment? So, okay, so <laughs> so here's how, here's what this is. And Alex Roy, my good friend Alex Roy, came over like 
losing his mind, going, oh, my God, you have to see this. And when Alex is like this, you probably should. Yes. Isn't he about that, about everything? Sometimes. Oh, okay. Usually it's it's really good. So you have historical um, archive documentary type footage okay. of John DeLorean in period, which is amazing and could easily be its own movie. You then have interviews with various other people who tried unsuccessfully to make documentaries with John DeLorean. Really? Okay. And people like Bob Gale, who wrote Back to the Future, and... Uh, and 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 a couple other DeLorean adjacent people, right. and um, one of the old time uh, Don Don Sherman, Don Sherman oh. uh, as well. Was Don in Sherman, there. yeah, my colleague, a car driver, yeah, Don, Don Sherman, because oh. he reviewed the DeLorean when it was new. And so there's there's this historical aspect of it with the footage and, and the FBI videos and shit, and it's very interesting. Then you have reenactments of certain scenes. With Alec Baldwin playing John DeLorean. That sounds weird because you have then, both the real John DeLorean weird. and the fake John yeah. DeLorean. Then the same you movie. have integrated behind the scenes in which Alec Baldwin is playing himself, but in full John DeLorean <laughs> outfit and makeup, <laughs> oh giving his sort of commentary on the whole situation. That is so. Basically, all they did was take the movie and the and, and, the, the, B, and the extra and features, the, B-roll, the extra like, features, and jam yeah. it all together and jam into, it one, into thing. one thing. Oh, wow. That's and weird. At, at a certain point, it, it starts to be mostly documentary style, and you go, "Maybe Alex gone." Because you don't really know why he's there at all. <laughs> Walked off the bracket. And, and then he fucking comes back at the end, and you're like, what is Alec Baldwin doing here? This oh has God. nothing to do with Alec Baldwin. That's awesome. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. That's awesome. The first half hour, I was going, what am I watching? I didn't even know. It was so strange. Oh, I'm so excited now. The first half hour is like Alec Baldwin getting John DeLorean makeup on. Really? Watching him do like Carson and going, I need to see him in various. Oh, ages like trying of to get into the part. To get into the part, yes. That's oh, you do weird. a really. You actually do a really I, that good. That was the first Alec time we were done. That nice <laughs> work. <laughs> but dude, was it fucking weird? You wow. gotta watch it right. just because it's really strange. Okay. All right. And, um, All right. Done. His, De- Delorean's kids are in it. His real kids. Oh yeah. His son Zach and his daughter, who's named Chris, Kristen, maybe Christy, Chris, some of the K, uh-huh. Kath, Catherine, maybe. Um, both the kids were super fucked up, like, you, like really, how, un- how unusual. Shock. Yeah, and one, wow. and the daughter was sort of like, I was de- depressed and whatever, like until I found, you know, the appreciation of the Delorean Club, which actually helped her. And wow. the son is like, like nerds to the rescue. The son is like one month's rent payment away from being homeless. Basically, it's this is yellow. This is Christina Ferrari's kids. Yes, they were, yeah, yes, okay. Christina Ferrari's kids. Yeah, and she is. Christina for I don't know if she's nowhere to be seen. Shocking that yeah. a woman named Christina Ferrar. But they have a, B- a BTS a section with mother. the woman playing Christina Ferrar, too. Wow. Who's not even like a known. It's like, what? what is she going to hear a pain for? I don't even know who she's That's in. so weird. It's really strange. So check out Framing John DeLorean, I guess. But it's a, it's the weirdest fucking movie. I have, I, a, think... I have a good friend who uh, worked for Lotus for 40 years. You know, Lotus did the engineering on the car. Yeah, well, a there's contract. a lot of, in the documentary about basically accusing Colin Chapman of like being a co-conspirator in fraud. I mean, <laughs> right. in a in a massive fraud. Well, the other thing was he he was going and they would they had all this um 
anti-terrorism training because the IRA was blowing oh, yeah. up stuff. And so he was like, yeah, they we had this whole class. And they're like, you know, if you come up to your rental car and it's got a pack of cigarettes leaning against the tire, walk away because that's the trigger <laughs> mechanism. And he was telling me one day, he was, every Friday he'd come home and on Monday he'd fly. He lives in near the Lotus Factory. Norfolk, and he'd fly back to uh, Belfast. And he was like, one day my friend called me and he says, remember our hotel, how your hallway goes down and there's like a fireplace and then, you know, your room's down. He's like, yeah, the hallway now ends at the fireplace because they had blown up his hotel. (laughs) In the film, there is quite a lot of that. I mean, it's all all of it is so absurd is the whole thing was bizarre. And I also used to. You know, as a kid, like the the, the icon of, of you know, use oh, he invented the muscle car, but he was a fucking lunatic the entire time. <laughs> well, I mean, the stories of him come when he was working for GM in the yeah. early seventies, he'd fly out here on Friday. Yeah, he'd like bang hookers all weekend at the Chateau Marmont, right? And fly back, and they'd be yeah. handing out cars. Supposedly there were like forty or fifty GM cars that were just like <laughs> handed out, you know, as as parting gifts or whatever. And uh, when he was fired, they were running around trying to find these cars and the cars are gone (laughs) taking them back it's just it was it's a crazy crazy um thing but i if uh, just if they did a good job making a delorean movie it would be awesome alec baldwin does not do a particular former owner okay i have a i have this is a sort of related unrelated question but did Mm -hmm. you see the documentary about motley Crue? yes the dirt the Fuck dirt, yeah. yeah. What did you think? I mean, reenactment versus like I was a little bit disappointed that it was like cheese ball reenactment. It was a little hokey. It was a little hokey. Okay. However, yes. My friend Christian James Hand, who's been on the show twice, <clears throat> is a like a music historian. Okay. And and sort of an expert in this. And he gave me we we had a long long talk, and we decided mainly he taught lectured me, but we decided collectively that the dirt. Hokey as it is, uh-huh. is actually more historically accurate than Bohemian Rhapsody. A hundred percent. Is that really saying much? No, a hundred percent because the four <laughs> of them point. because the four of them wrote it. Yeah. So yes, that, okay. That was that's that all was right. the opinion. I, thought, I just I thought, thought they the all like had like totally bad wigs and looked like yeah. Wayne Wayne from Wayne's World. <laughs> they all looked like they were from Wayne's <laughs> World. Didn't everybody look like that? I don't know. Nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Anyway, they definitely. Okay. Did. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm, I, I was a good treadmill movie though. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it was good <laughs> for like when you're like movie. doing other things. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a it's a plane movie yeah. or a treadmill movie totally. for sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you though. All right. So what's up with the Normandy? Huh? What's the good word on that? Man, what, I what mean, what happened in uh, Normandy? Uh, other than what, yeah. to stay in Normandy, sorry. I mean, other than the obvious, <laughs> what happened in Normandy? Well, how much do we have to explain here? I mean, how much did the audience? I mean, you, there was we wo- know that World War One and then World War Two. <laughs> you are a World War Two buff. The Germans were the bad guys in both cases. Yeah, I mean, That's how right. much do? How far do we have to go? Normandy's in France. Yes. Do we, okay. Yes. Um, it was the it close was, to it was close an to England. There was yes. an anniversary what this year. Seven five. So what was that? The silver? Is that the diamond? Jubilee. Uh, sure. Anyway, um, 75th anniversary of D-Day. It happened on June 6, 1944. Basically, um, the Allied powers, which would be France, um, uh, England, uh, well, there were Frenchmen, England, um, and the United States. Canada. And Canada. um, uh, Organized a force of 130,000 troops and owned 5,000 ships. There were 916 aircraft dropping 13,000 paratroopers. Just in the yeah. in Va- two, some vague facts for you. And, and, uh, and 200,000 sailors. Jeeps, um, yes. 
uh, and they all showed up on the coastline of uh, Normandy, which is in northwest France, on June on the morning of June 6, 1944, to uh, with the intention of liberating France. Biggest biggest invasion ever attempted. Well, in modern, I mean, in, yes. in modern Certainly warfare. in modern times, as, yeah. as, I, as General Dwight D. Eisenhower, who is the Supreme Allied Commander, said, uh, it was the first time such a force had been assembled in the history of the world not to conquer territory or for colonial ambition, but to defend an ideal, which was liberty. So um, an, an event of, of particular historical import. Um, interesting. You've to, been to a, a couple... I don't want to call them celebrations there. Memorials We've been to there. Three anniversaries. Yeah, anniversaries. Well, this is our third anniversary. Um, the, the interesting thing for us is that, um, first of all, it happened in a nice place. Normandy is beautiful. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to go to Fallujah's 75th anniversary, but let's face it, it's <laughs> Yo, just let's not. Do it, yes. Right? I mean, book your hotels now, <laughs> you guys. Now. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> maybe it'll still be there. That's I'm so sure right. Fallujah has its dining, you know, its cuisine, but but you know, let's face it, you get fresh croissants every morning, and if it's, you're going to reenact a battle, right? That's right. I mean, better let's be do warm, it in baguette land. I mean, we all want to think that we give due, you know, credence to the historical suffering of our forefathers, but the fact that it's in a nice place. Korean, Korean War probably, uh, right. probably promising, um, honestly. It, it also right. has very good roads. Um, the other thing True. about this battle is it had very cool vehicles. I mean, let's just start with the iconic Jeep. Um, yeah, well, so you bought this, right? Well, actually, Haggerty huh. bought it. So <laughs> Haggerty... Um, Proxy buyer, yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. Well, Haggerty had a budget this year for the... Uh, it, was, it has a collection back in Traverse City, Michigan. I don't know how many vehicles are in it. Uh, a number, not a huge number. And it had a budget this year for um, the uh, ob- obtaining of iconic American vehicles. And I said to them... Well, people like to talk about how important this car or that car is. This car saved the fucking yeah. world. No, Willie's okay. Jeep, no question. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah. no more iconic vehicle no question. Than, than a Willie's or Ford Jeep. It is the world's most them. important shitbox, for so, sure. Um, so they said, fine, let's do it. And they gave me a budget, and I said, for this amount of money, I can get a decent one. I can't get a perfect one, because they've gone up all in value a lot since in 2009 when <laughs> I bought since one. Since you sold yours. So, yeah, since I sold mine. Um <laughs> uh, so uh, they said, all right, fine, do the best you can. So we found, and the other thing is finding a true wartime Jeep, a wartime yeah, Willys yeah. is a challenge because after the war, a company in France called Hotchkiss continued making them. And in about 1980, in their late or late 70s, early 80s, they sold, all of these went to auction. Mm. And so like thousands of these Hotchkiss Jeeps went back to England because by then people were sort of collecting them and using yeah. them. And a lot of them got turned into wartime Jeeps. And there's very subtle differences, but there are differences. And so from 7,000 miles away in Los Angeles, looking at these yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. pixelated uh, uh, f- photos online, I had to like, okay, does it have the right toe gusset? And is this thing, you know, have the curve or is it bent over? You know? He really hated this project. So and there was Getting a, paid to do this for him right, is a I real know, reach. Right, it's <laughs> a real bummer. I wanted, you know, I wanted to bring home a Jeep that was actually there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did your Jeep get dropped there on d-day or oh we have no idea you can't know with with british army vehicles you know because they actually took they actually assign certain chassis numbers to Mm -hmm. certain units and you can do with the american army it's just whatever i mean they made six hundred fifty-seven thousand jeeps and that was just well they figure they assume they were going to last 90 days and that was going to be the shelf life of this vehicle so that was there there were a lot of them they were cranking you know at one point there were four plants cranking these things out so the, the you know the the 
the Ford and Wheelies both made them. They put little hood numbers on them at the factory. As soon as they got into the fields of France, they'd be sitting there in these huge fields, and some guys went down the line doing um, numbers this way, and some guys mm-hmm. went down the line. And there's no way. There's just yeah, no yeah. way to know where your Jeep was. Was Ford's or Wheelies Jeep better? Did someone do a better job of making a Jeep? Well, so in the early days, they made their own bodies. There were a lot more differences. It actually, in the early days of Jeep production, they will have Willys or Ford script on the back of uh-huh. the Jeeps. But eventually, uh, they decided to use one body supplier. And there aren't there 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 are very subtle differences between the Ford and the Willys. Uh, there really isn't a consensus on which one is better or worse. The the reason Fords are worth more is because they're harder to fake. So yeah. if you had a Hotchkiss. If to make it into a Ford would be extremely difficult, whereas to make mm-hmm. it into Willys is quite easy. So oh, neat. Um, so, do you mind if I ask what Haggerty paid for this Jeep? Is that is that privy information? <laughs> if you can't say, well, don't the number keeps going up. <laughs> One well, million but, I mean, dollars. Well, the guy said, uh, the guy at Haggerty's like, all right, can you get this to us for twenty five grand delivered in Traverse City? And I was like, no. Yeah. He's like, well, how much do you think it'll? Come? I said, I can get you the Jeep for twenty five grand, but I can't get it to you. In, uh, delivered. Yeah. Okay, well, do the best you can. So I paid just a little over twenty five grand for the Jeep, mm-hmm. and then the shipping is now <laughs> for almost three grand. So yeah, well, that's how much it costs to ship stuff across the Atlantic Ocean. I was gonna, I was gonna guess thirty five hundred. Well, Easy. I the first estimate I got back from the shipper was it was gonna be eight hundred bucks just to ship Fuck it to Baltimore. Here. No, 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 and it was. But then they were like, okay, well, you if you want total loss insurance, that's another two hundred bucks, yeah. and oh. then. The paperwork and you have to pay duty because yeah, you have to pay yeah, two yeah. and a, thanks to the chicken tax you have to pay two and a half percent on everything that comes in. So blah, 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 by the time you're all done with that, it was twenty eight hundred bucks okay, shipping. Cool. Yeah. Which considering, I mean, and it went to Baltimore, which now it means that it has to be put on a truck and then driven to Michigan. Yeah, I, I, so, I, that's I, I when I shipped the uh, Aston Martin from New York, Newark actually to the UK, yeah. it was $3,200 each way. Well, shipping across the mm-hmm. nation is a hell of a lot more expensive than shipping across the ocean. I, when I brought my ambulance and it was two grand to ship from Southampton in England to Port Wanimi right over here That's on the West cheap. Coast, and then it was a grand to get it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. No, it went into Long Beach. It was. It went into Long Beach, and then it was a grand to get it the last ten miles from Long Beach to the warehouse. <laughs> where I, uh, I'm, I am not shitting you. It was two grand to ship oh. it through the Panama Canal across the Atlantic yeah. Ocean, up the Pacific Coast, to, and then a grand to get it the last That's ten hilarious. miles to the warehouse. That's a metaphor for uh, for all of life, though, isn't it? It does seem that way. You yes. know what I mean? It's super easy. Um. So that that is actually as we speak, that is probably rolling off the ship in Baltimore right now. Sweet. Um. So it's already here. <laughs> Oh, back fast. in the United States for the first time in 75 years. That, according to his chassis number and a great book that Lynn found in Normandy, which tells you when all the chassis numbers were built, um, that one was built in August of 44. Mm-hmm. And it has some interesting... So that's like pretty... That's late. It was late. It probably didn't get to Europe till 45. It might not have gotten there in time for the war, actually. But it was built for the war. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that That means that... I, um, it's got some interesting damage to it, though. I mean, there's a hole in the Four transmission holes? tunnel <laughs> that is not was not made by somebody dropping something or somebody running over something. I could have been something Shrapnel moving at very high speed. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got this kind of like weird triangular shape to it, and there's another one in the firewall. And wow. you know, there you go. So battle, battle tested, possibly, um, possibly. So anyway, we have no idea. We choose to believe that it it helped liberate Europe. 
And uh, it so uh, the friend, a friend of mine who worked for Lowe's for forty years in Norfolk, uh, he he went and looked at it for me, and then he actually got his trailer and hauled it up to his barn and went through the whole Jeep, and he says, "Oh, this is a great Jeep, runs good. I've driven up and down the road. This is fabulous." So we get there, and we also have the little green camper van in the back, um, which I've kept in his barn for a few years. So we oh, spent, you own that thing. I own that. Well, I did. I sold <laughs> it to anymore. the guy's brother uh, last week. But anyway. So we, we spent the whole day like packing and repacking that. We didn't look at the Jeep at all because he had said he'd driven up and down. Yeah. It goes great. So we get on the road and we've got all day to get down to Portsmouth, 195 miles, which in a vehicle that only goes about 40, 45 miles an hour. Yeah, that's, um, that's all day. That's yeah. all day. That's You need all day. So And also, you don't know whether it's yeah. So we made it about five miles from his house. And I stopped to check something because I heard a weird noise. And there's just like fuel pouring out of the people. <laughs> and I can't. I don't have the tools to fix on this. So we turned around. We went back to his house. Spent about an hour fixing that. Got back on the road, and then it was running fine, fine, fine. We get all the way down to London, um, and now it's making some noise. And <laughs> I check it, and like the water pump pulley is just going kunk kunk kunk, like oh, the water no. pump's gone, but it's not leaking. So I'm like, all right, well, we can't do anything about it right now. So let's just keep going. We get down to Portsmouth, and we go into the ferry. And once you at the ferry that goes to France, once you show them your passport and everything, you go into this like secure area. Yeah, yeah. You ain't getting out. I mean, yeah. if you want to be on that boat, does it? Yeah, yeah. You ain't getting out. So I, it's there where I've got it's now like a customs area. Yeah, yeah. Like I've got now a half an hour to kill before they're gonna load us on. And I start checking the jeep over. I look in the sump, and the oil sump is dry. Oh like, god, there's no oil in the sump, which explained why I was getting fluctuating oil pressure readings the last few miles. <laughs> I'm like clicking the gauge, going, "Oh come on, what's up?" And I get just adding like, oil no solve that problem. Fucking oil in it. Well, I talked to my, my wife Tina, who was behind me driving in the van, and, she, and if you're gonna burn through five quarts of oil, it's like a. I mean, we yeah. all know if you ever had a car that burns oil yeah. it's like a, if you burn it like at a cord every thousand miles you're like it's, it's blowed you're like blowing it out yeah and she yeah. was like well you puffed occasionally but it wasn't that bad and you know there's no like oil down the side there. i still to this day don't know where that oil went it's because it <laughs> just didn't vanish it just <laughs> vanished it didn't go on the ground it's on the baguette it traveled someone back in actually time. replaced the oil filter with a baguette that's right, right. Exactly. Soaked it in. <laughs> well now we have no oil because i go up and down the line of there's some other Jeeps and other World War II vehicles waiting to get on the ferry. And uh, I'm like, do you guys have any oil? No, we don't have any oil. Well, I got some, but I need it. Uh, so, so we couldn't get any oil. It's so a dumb I, question, but does this require a special oil of any kind? Or can you no. literally use pretty much <laughs> well, everything? So, well, yeah. <laughs> so Tina says, uh, we got a bottle of olive oil. I'm like, give it to me. So, Fuck out of here. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> was okay. it like a nice bottle, too? It was like a, like, like, a, like virgin olive oil. Oh, just like man. a... It was like Tesco's brand. Yeah. I mean, it was not. Right. No, this was not. Yeah. Well, you were in the south of France. I don't know. You could have had some... Like, oh, no, you hadn't got... Oh, this yeah, in yes. oh yeah, they, they don't eat well in England. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mate. So it's like, yeah, we got one type of olive oil. Anyway, so yeah, I like dumped the, the whole thing in, and um, I'm figuring how much damage can it do. It's better than no oil. And you know, when you load onto one of those giant ferries, and they are giant, you have to go up this big ramp, yeah. and then onto the boat, and you're like creeping. Is there parking the As cars? Parking cars. Yeah, so yeah. you know the engine's like sitting like this with no oil in it, and I'm like, no, it's got to have something. So I put all we put all this olive oil. Well, we got on the ship, and then <laughs> we're I I'm like I don't know, I'm all of a sudden like someone someone's yeah, someone sauteing, <laughs> making a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I was. Um, it did I'm hungry. Actually... I'm hungry all of a sudden. I don't know what's going on. Like a biodiesel <laughs> car. <laughs> so uh, just our luck, a guy pulls up next to us in like a full fucking race transporter. And we're like, do you have any oil? And he's like, yeah, sure. Oh, no problem. Fine. But so he gave oh us about three God. quarts of oil. So then we went to the campsite and I spent the next two days like rebuilding the car basically i had to get a new water pump and change the fluids and change which the oil. by the way i was still in california at the time and i was getting these texts that was like uh can you try and track down a water pump right. for me oh, like wow. and i'm like uh i think it'll fit in my luggage like i'm calling all these people like trying to figure out if i can find one yeah. in time and get it shipped right well did you have any negative side effects of driving 100 meters with olive oil in your crankcase i can't say <laughs> We'll find out when you well, get home. Yeah, yeah. Ask, ask in Traverse that. City, they're going to be like, "What the fuck right. is this?" <laughs> well, I did drain it all out and replace it with proper oil. Once I was able to get proper oil. Yeah. Um, the thing is, so so I'm walking around the campsite, and, I'm, and there's all these guys who are um, there. I mean, people don't have any concept of how big this is. People have been planning for the 75th anniversary basically for five years. Yeah, there were easily 3,000 vintage vehicles. There were probably 3,000 Jeeps alone there. Not That's to mention so cool. Sherman tanks, ambulances. Uh, DKW amphibious trucks, deuce and a halfs. I mean, there's yeah. just it's everywhere, and um, there's random, random Instagram random trappings shots. of D Day seventy yeah. fifth anniversary. There were sixteen C forty sevens that flew from the United States. There was an organization. Is that, wait, is that are, what this yeah. is? Yeah, 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 yeah. There was That's an organization it. called Dax over Normandy, and they somehow convinced sixteen owners of these things in the United States to fly their planes from. Labrador to Greenland to Iceland we, to Scotland. Um, no, that's like that Indiana Jones map. When it, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, we yeah. Uh, we actually had lunch with one of the guys who brought one of these things over, and he told us that uh, three hundred thousand dollars it yeah. cost them to uh, to from, fly it from over. From Rovels to France and yeah. back. There is nothing more dangerously pimp than being a vintage warplane enthusiast. That's exactly. exactly. And well, then to try and fly it across the Atlantic. It's, uh, yeah, it's I mean, an that's, expensive that's, hobby. That's <laughs> fucking balls, huh? Oh, people were jumping out of planes. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh like, I love this. Vet, veterans were jumping out of planes. Like, is, this guys... the, is this the D-Day version of cruising? Is this guy, <laughs> <laughs> These guys are just like... Oh, we saw these guys. These guys are just they, cruising yeah, by. Yeah. They were flying by open. every day, and they had their door yeah. open. They had actually painted these C-130s with invasion stripes, which oh, the planes had back in the day. And we saw them like in the back. You remember? There's like little yeah. guys sitting in the back. So I, we're down here somewhere in this picture, going like oh, waving and going, yeah, "Oh, look at that! Yeah, they're having a good day." Put the, put the jeep under here so we can take <laughs> a good picture. So um, anyway, the is, um, the French government estimated that two million people showed up in the two weeks surrounding wow. the June sixth anniversary. There were a lot of people there. Um, the uh, the military vehicle mm, people, I have to say, vehicle. are the nicest car people on the planet. Really, I mean, they yeah. are the nice. First of all. There's no pretension when you have one of these things. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody worries about, you know, strollers yeah. bumping into it or don't touch my, you don't see any of those signs that say like, yeah. don't touch me. I'm there's, not that kind of car. There's like, nothing shiny. <laughs> yeah. If you want to no. see a guy's military vehicle, he's like, yeah, just step on the bumper, walk over the hood. <laughs> and right. just step on. Like they don't care. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Get dirt in it. I like it. The yeah. dirtier they are, the better they look. I mean, it's, it's just like a totally relaxed cool crowd i mean they're the nicest people and um they were loaning us tools left and right i mean one guy's like listen just leave the hood open if you know they'll fix it overnight <laughs> is um <laughs> is norm is omaha beach um like a normal beach most of the time so the planners of the invasion picked this place for a reason and one of the reasons is because it has huge tides uh -huh. so when the tide goes out 
it exposes 400 yards of beach. Okay. The tide line, the low tide line, when the tide comes in, is 28 feet underwater. Oh. That's how big the tide is. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were near this town of Port Embassan, and it's this cute little fishing village with these um, breakwaters. And when the tide goes out, all the boats that have been floating are now sitting in mud. Yeah, everything inside those breakwaters is right. it's just exposed. Yeah. yeah. So the planners of the invasion picked it for a reason because they wanted... They, and they picked the date for a reason because they wanted full moon. Is it like super tide? Well, they wanted full moon. They wanted a tide that was rising in the morning because they wanted when the ramps came down on the invasion boats, they wanted the tide to be rising for several reasons. One, if it was coming out, yeah, the boats would be sitting there with the stranded. engines on. Yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah. would be washing the boats yeah, away. They yeah, wanted yeah. The, bo- well, the boats to be washed Yeah, you always want to beach, beach a boat when the tide is coming right. in. Yeah. Yeah. They also wanted the tide Ask to rise so that, that they could bring in the... Yeah, right? Right, so they could bring. I did in. learn that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> it Expensive. was a long fucking day. Right. Not that expensive. No, but the longest day. Just a long day. The <laughs> longest day. Long dry day on that boat. Oh, God. Sorry. But anyway, so the, yeah. so they picked this place for a reason, and it's because of those huge expanses of sand they're exposed in low tide, and then the the fact that the the water then comes all the way up to line. I mean. You can bring in destroyers to the low t- the low tide line once the tide is up. You know, oh, it's true. Just... Yeah, you've got a couple hours of high tide that you could bring boats in oh, real yeah, yeah. close. Exactly. So they they picked that place for a reason. And so when it's low tide, the expanse of sand is enormous. Yeah. Uh, the downside of that, of course, is yeah. that on the first wave when the when the bow yeah. ramps dropped, they had a lot of sand around. Completely to fucked. Yeah, so the you know no, but what about uh, I'm, I'm talking about oh, now. like now, like is it is it a normal like, like is it a normal beach sun now? Sunbathers there, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a normal beach. Yeah, that's what I we, mean I by mean, normal when, beach. When we were there, what you said was very interesting, but that, what I was getting at was like if it's not a reenactment. Just cut me off if you're not getting the answer. No, you want. no, <laughs> I was because you said something really interesting. A hundred percent, yes. There are homes now that are sort of that line the beach, especially at Omaha. Yeah, I um, saw a couple here. Yeah. I had a couple of pictures. And that had we were down there. The so the, the shot of the Jeep in front of the bunker mm. that you saw on Aaron's um, on Aaron's Instagram page. On the other side of that bunker, there were two dudes sunbathing. So, yeah, oh, really? I mean, it's definitely. <laughs> it's, well, it's they had France. clothes on and it's stuff. Like but, like, <laughs> but it's not. It's France. It's not even a thing. Oh, yeah, look. Okay. Is this Omaha Beach right here? So, this is uh, a big. Yeah, that looks like. No, no, no that's not Omaha. That's further. That's the British beaches. Oh, this is. Yeah, yeah that's further it's, east. But it's. So, Omaha has the big. Has that kind of cliff that's almost right behind right, the beach. Right, 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 right. Um, oh, here. This is the, where it's close up. Well, that's actually Point Du Hack. That's that's yeah. not oh. far. Omaha's just on the other side of that point. I'm I'm losing here. No, oh, here's the well. Here's a vast expanse. That's probably that's Omaha. Omaha Beach. There you go. There, you go. there we go. That that sort of the build up behind. Yeah, that's like, yeah, but yeah, yeah it uh, yeah, it's a normal beach. Well, People were there walking their dogs, and I mean, it's like a normal thing. And we went into a museum, and something I didn't really realize before was it's been a vacation beach well before the war. I mean, they there were all these um, mm-hmm. villas and things along the ocean um, back before the war, and oh, the Germans. Shot of the, that one right there, yeah. Pull that one up for a sec. Um, this is so. This is right at the town where we were. We told you about those two breakwaters. This is a photograph or or tiled mm-hmm. photographs of the entire stretch of beach, and it shows you a picture then and a picture now. Yeah. So modern modern day, and then of it back during oh, the pretty rad. during the yeah, war. Yeah. So this is the beach as it is today, and this is the beach as it was shortly before the invasion in 1944. Wow. So, it, yeah, I mean, the thing you're really impressed by, I mean, it, there are times when you're like, oh, my God, there's so many people in the traffic and everything. But then you stop and you go, 
you know, people care. They remember. Yeah. yeah. And you'd think the French would sort of be above it all. I mean, our oh, let's say it, let's just face it, our national stereotype of the French are, you know, these um, wine sipping Galois, smoking, uh, you know, very aloof above it all. And why yeah. would you, you know, why would these nerdy people come with their military vehicles and walk around in World War II? But the fact is, most of the language you hear is French. I mean, and, and whoever's not speaking French is generally speaking British English. Mm. And I mean, there were not a lot of Americans. No, no not a lot of not, Americans. Well, let's I'm going to caveat that and say not a lot of Americans do experiencing it the way that we did. So yeah. a lot of maybe on tour buses or coming with relatives or here with, you know, with people who had done it. But they were at the big tents and they did the whole ceremony thing. But in the mili- in the vehicles, like camping, experiencing it in this way. Super European. Yeah, yeah super European. Once so. you're like there. What do you actually? Okay, now you own a jeep. Right. Now you've now you've arrived. <laughs> right. You've made it safely. There's some kind of oil in there, <laughs> right. and so it's now, staying. Now you're there, and here we. I think these look like some vacation homes or something right. in the background, yeah. right? So now you're here. What do you do? Well, for starters, it's a giant car show. I mean, yeah. and it's just like every car show. There's guys standing around open hoods talking about where to get the parts, how you get that difficult bolt that's underneath. Fifty-one off. Mustangs running over people. No, literally. I mean, they're like arguing about they're the like tire it. pressure in a Lancaster bomber. That's just, you know, I'm telling you, mate, it was thirty-two. No, you know, it's talking about it's fifty-six PS. You know, so I mean, there's like all these like funny, weird discussions about the vehicles because that's they're they're funny. a lot of. I mean, there's three types of people who go to this thing. There's people who have a connection because of their family, their mm-hmm. grandfather landed or this and that. There's people who go because they like the vehicles. And there's people who want to just be like John Wayne types and ride around in soldier gear and play oh, soldier. Yeah. So that's the th- kind of the three main groups of people. And um, Are the soldier people the least fun? They're the least fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the most fun are the military vehicle people. And then the people who have great stories about their, uh, a friend of mine. Find the oldest dude you can. And yeah. Be yeah. Like, what's your deal? Well, yeah. for, in fact, my oldest friend, I've known him for 40 years. He came down. He's in the, he's works for the State Department in Belfast. He came down and his grandfather landed second wave at Omaha. And so we actually traced his route till he got injured in August, um, a few months later. And what was fun about that was you take this giant sprawling event. I mean, the beaches are 50 miles long, 130,000 guys landed on the first day. You take this enormous sprawling event and then you take one person's story, one guy's story. And then you can like there were times where we were standing there looking at a guidebook and we'd go marching off into the weeds looking for the machine gun nest that his unit assaulted on this uh, yeah. day. And yeah. So, so that's kind of cool to find it in a history book and then go look at it yeah. like there when and it's not a big major thing. It's like a little thing. And the stuff is still there. I mean, it's that's the thing is, um, you know. If you go to ancient Greece or we were in Turkey, yeah, and I was just to, in Rome two weeks ago. Yeah, and they're like, well, here was the forum, and there's like a couple of blocks <laughs> piled up yeah. on top of each other. And you really got to yeah. use your imagination. You don't have to use your imagination when you go oh, to Normandy. Yeah. I mean, there are you know buildings with still bullet holes in them. There's a German battery uh, by Utah Beach where a 14 inch shell from the USS Nevada went through and was a dud. It landed in the grass. In 1994, they took the, the shell down to the beach and blew it up. But you stand there and you look at that hole and, you know, the, the concrete rebar is all mm-hmm. blown out and there's still, like, debris and everything. And you look through that hole and you see the Bay of the Sand where the you can just see right where the Nevada was when it <laughs> yeah. fired it. It's like you don't have to use your imagination. All the stuff is still there. So, Wild. I mean, especially towards the West End by Utah Beach, it has not changed. I mean, all of those fields that the 101st and the 82nd Airborne landed in are pretty much the same there's still cows walking around in them um the these old farmhouses are just as they were we were in a church this little church in angleville and you asked me why we go this is why you go 
we were in this little church in Angleville, and it was used when the 101st Airborne landed. If anybody's seen Band of Brothers, and you know, all the paratroopers landed, and they were fighting over these kind of important crossroads and, and spots before the they invaded. There was a church in this little village called Angleville, and the medics from the 101st Airborne had set up an aid station there. And there was all this fighting around. The Germans were attacking, counterattacking. And the medics were taken in Germans, Americans. They didn't care. If they were wounded, they would treat them in this church. And the Germans saw what they were doing, and they were not trying to, you know, blow up the church or anything. They were just keeping, they were not shooting. So these guys are in there working on people. And uh, to this day, when you go in that church, there are still bloodstains on the pews. And there's a hole in the roof where, where a mortar round came through and hit the floor. And you look up and Is there's... Is that for memory reasons? Or like, why leave bloodstains on the pews? Because you go to be an eyewitness to history because yeah. it's just part of the history of that church now. And... Yes. and um, I don't get that. Sh- I don't get the sense that church get used gets used. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a joke about Europe. Like I mean, the only place confirmations re- in there on that's Sunday. right. It's like well, put your daughter in there. Yeah, that's right. you know, yeah. Anybody who's traveled in Europe knows if you want to be alone, go to a church because it's like there's just no, especially in France. Because I mean, there's every little village has a church, but most of them really aren't used that much anymore. And but uh, but yeah, I mean. You know, it's just astounding that the the stuff you go to see what happened. And, mm. you know, I mean, if you really want to understand the battle, which I do because I'm a student of history, you stand at that water line and you look up at those hills and you see the draws and you can see where the bunkers are because they're still there, the German bunkers. And and you get, okay, now I understand why this was so tough. So Is there anywhere else where you can really do that? Not many. I mean, if you go to the South Pacific, I guess there are a few places you yeah. can go, but Some most of it's in overgrown. Vietnam, and Vietnam maybe, but it's not. Well, I mean, I'm changing so rapidly. That's the thing. It's like to go to a quote-unquote preserved battlefield, I yeah. think, is very difficult. I mean, I had that feeling when I went to Verdun because, you know, Verdun happened a century ago. They fought over this in World War One, mm-hmm. and the land is still churned with, you know, deep pits and shell marks. Really? Like after a hundred years, you really? can still see the scars of the battle on the land. But that's also, I mean, these are parts of Europe that are not, I mean, they're not like tilling the land. They're not, they're not sort of growing new products there yeah. or new, you know, new, new produce. It's, I mean, by and large, I think it has been left fairly untouched. And so that's why it is so, yeah. it's so well preserved and for good reason. I mean, I, oh, you know, you're not shitting. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Wow. That, it, that's crazy. That yeah. Really there's still that looks like. shell pits. I mean, that's a hundred years ago. They fought over that. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's why if you, you know, the, you can only get so much from reading a book. You got to, yeah. if you have an interest in it, you got to go see it. But, and you know, the weird thing, so you being a student of history and your, I think your perspective on it, probably a little bit different from mine. I, I come from a very military family. My brother fought, was in the second Gulf War and the 101st Airborne. My dad was a West Point grad and, and a pilot in the, in the, uh, in the army. And, um. So I went over there and I, you know, you guys told me about this trip and I was like, yes, my brother was there for the 60th anniversary and he was a photographer and was like, you got to go. If you could ever get a chance, go. So the opportunity arose and I decided, yeah, I'm going to go. And it's going to be this really like sort of moving, like deep, like sober event. 
and the ex- the experience was so 100% different than what I anticipated or thought, but in, in an absolutely amazing way, because you see all these people who are kind of dressed up and they look, you look, it's like you're on the back lot at, you know, Steven Spielberg's like sequel yeah, yeah. to Saving Private Ryan. And you're like, oh, is this fucking appropriate? Like, <sighs> like, how do I feel about this? I'm super proud to be an American right now because you don't hear many American voices and then we we went so with Aaron's friend who's also named Aaron. We went to uh, that's an awesome shot. So that's Ernie Pyle who's on the left. Oh no no that's oh, Ernie that, Hemingway. Oh I don't no know Hemingway is on the right. Isn't that? I think that's Robert Kappa. Oh Robert Kappa, that's what yeah. I meant. Sorry. So that's Hemingway on the right. Don't know who that is in the middle. But this chateau um, in Vully was basically taken over by Omar Bradley as his HQ, and the press from the time of the. Um, basically from the invasion until the battle of st Lo, this was yeah, for two months used as the uh, as the press uh, you know as the press headquarters which is pretty awesome there you go well what's cool and uh, you know it's quickly is yeah it, it's uh, the kind of place where you never find it, it's in a place that only it's it's a little hotel but it's not ever you gotta go to those dirt roads yeah, yeah. No sign we only found out about it from our neighbors in the campsite and they only opened for like three hours the entire week to, to, to outsiders. So it was like one of these places where you, you just, and Norm, a lot of Normandy is that way. The, the stuff is sort of hidden behind mm-hmm. gates and things. But if you know somebody or you, yeah. Or, yeah. So we went to this, we ended up going to this church where Aaron's grandfather, like sort of the culmination of this battle of St. Lowe happened. And um, there was a, a lieutenant, Thomas Howie, who was sort of the, the driving force and the spearhead of this whole thing. And he actually died before the battle even started. But St. Lowe has made this huge, um, this huge memorial to him. And we're walking around this church and we're reading this letter to his daughter that he wrote. And his niece walks in. And she's got this huge yeah, group of people or, with her. Orlando, she's Florida. just this nice, this lady who kind of comes in. She's got a binder in her arms with, uh, you know, probably all this stuff. And I asked her, I said, what... What do you think about all of this, like re- the reenacting and the people dressing up and everything? And she said, you know what? She said, I don't care how people remember. I just think it's important that they remember. And it was in that moment where you realize, like, okay, that's what it was all about. Uh, Fighting all of that stuff so that people can do, do and celebrate in that way and, and, you know, be able to do it without, uh, without you know. Yeah, a, ty- I mean, I, a tyrant over you. So it was it was an amazing experience for someone who's never seen it before. I mean, the human spirit is irrepressible. You know, there was this kind of disaster for mankind, let's face it. I mean, when you get rid of all the, the, the glamour and guts and glory and bullshit, it was a disaster for mankind. Was but here glamour? we are. What's that? Was there glamour? <laughs> you said glamour. Well, they made a lot World of cool movies too. about it. And, you know, <laughs> um, Adolf had really nice glasses in his yeah. bunker. But here we are 75 years later, and it's a family event. I mean, we're kids running around. We're all having a good time with our vehicles. You know, yeah. um, we, of course, remember what happened there. Did you dress up? Well, let's just say we wore the right color. I mean, okay. see, like that's kind of the extent of the dressing up. <laughs> yeah. well, green, yeah, green, green stuff. You're driving around a World War II Jeep, you don't want to be wearing purple Gore-Tex. I mean, I that was kind of so. We <laughs> okay. just wore, we funny. didn't put on. You don't dress markings. like Pebble Beach, like the lawn <laughs> yeah, at Pebble. Exactly. <laughs> Seersucker. You and lo- your loafers. No, no Panama hat. <laughs> Yet another thing that makes this so much cooler than a typical car show yeah. is, is what you get to wear. That's awesome. But. Uh, no, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, fundamentally, it's a car show. It was, you, you meet 
great people with I mean they put so much effort into uh restoring these things. I mean you gotta you gotta admire a guy who buys a diamond tea. I mean this thing weighs <laughs> ten thousand pounds. What it is goes thirty five miles an hour. It gets, you know, two, three oh, miles this? to the gallon. Well a military one. Okay, but yeah. But Which so one's a military here. This, I mean there's this, that's a military one, right? Everything no, it's much bigger than that. Um everything that breaks on this thing is expensive or you can't get parts oh, for it. This. Yeah. Like these big giant wreckers. <laughs> oh yeah. You know. Um yeah. it's like a somewhere between a wrecker and a dump truck, but it's yeah. army spec. So you gotta admire a guy that, that <laughs> puts this one's called T bag. <laughs> 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 yeah, we saw great signs. There uh, was a lot of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, um, th- so, I mean, these people, it takes a lot of effort to keep these things running. They use yeah. a hell of a, it's really funny because the gas stations kept running out of gas because France is nominally a diesel country. It's about 70% diesel. And all of a sudden you've got 3000 of these things show up. It's like 3000, you know, well, so Chevy Tahoe. Suck them all down. Right. On the coast of France, <laughs> you know, hilarious. all of a sudden. And like vacation land. So they just, they kept running out of gasoline because all these vehicles run on gasoline. And um, so it was. Uh, so just another, and just to, uh, again, like put punctuation on the lack of, of sort of, let's call it organization from the French or for right. forward thinking um, at Utah Beach on the morning of D-Day. The, you know, they no, bring it, was, the, it was at Aramash. Was it at Aramash? Yeah. They bring all the vehicles down onto the, that's right, because it was all the Brits. They bring all the vehicles down onto the beach. Everything is great. Well, by the time the tide has started creeping back up, which happens rather quickly, yeah. There are how many? Were there like four hundred vehicles Five, on the beach? 500 like five hundred vehicles. vehicles on the beach, you and there's just getting small. Drowned. There's like a small ramp that like literally is what, taking. What was the name of it? A r r o m a n c h e s. Aramach and uh, put in uh, sunk dodge. One <laughs> one way in, one way out. This tiny this tiny <laughs> ramp that, that sort of you have to take to, in order to get back up to the road. Well. The timing was such that as the tide was coming in, there were, of course, all these people who were parked up there and milling around. And then a a band, a marching band, starts coming down the street. So they had to block off the traffic. By the time the last truck was trying to roll off, the tide had come in and it was halfway up. I mean, it was above the windows. (laughs) (laughs) So So they lost a truck. We we did this in 2014 and you had to be there at, you know, five in the morning because they they shut all the the cops are shutting down all the roads because our president was there along with the royal family and the French president. So, I mean, it becomes a huge security zone. So you have to go early in the morning and then they wait for the tide to go out and then everybody goes down and parks at Aramanche. And you can see in the background here are the mulberry Mm. harbors that they built for the invasion to create an artificial breakwater so that they could Delivered what are goods. those made of? They're called mulberries, and they're made out of concrete. They oh. actually made them. They floated them across the channel and, and then sunk, sunk, them sunk them and created this big artificial oh. harbor around Aramanch. And then they used these beaches for four months to, to get supplies off mm. um, to so keep supplying the army. Well, uh, as I was, as we were talking about the tides earlier, um, <laughs> if you aren't paying attention, yeah. um, I, and I remember when I parked my Jeep in 2009, I parked my Jeep on Omaha, and we were doing all the stuff, and the yeah, sun, yeah. The je- and we're walking around, and yeah. I come back, and the water is like slapping <laughs> the tire, <laughs> and like, oh, uh, you, you have to move, yeah, because yeah. It's, it's coming in fast. 
Well, as Lynn was saying, they couldn't get the vehicles off the beach. At 9.30 in the morning, the story we heard is they were like, all right, right, everybody off the beach. And so they had one ramp going oh, off. God. And they just, everybody, like one guy told us it took them like a half an hour yeah. to get from the bottom of the ramp to the top of the ramp because there was so much traffic oh, and they had this marching And the band, the marching band, the marching just right band. at that time. I mean, Perfect. they only had 75 years to plan for this, so you know, give them a break. <laughs> right. least, do it a little or hurry. at least five years to <laughs> right. plan for it. I mean, come on. The actual so. invasion was better planned. Yeah. But there was a picture of of one of these exact this Dodge weapons carrier it was and it was this just the British water it was just there. up yeah. to the water yeah and they oh. left it they had to leave it overnight and they came back the next day and pulled it out oh. um, you think it survived oh yeah they'll fix it but um, <laughs> you, you know. see uh, Haggerty right. insurance policy <laughs> yes <laughs> all we can say is that the D-Day beaches are still claiming their victims 75 years later <laughs> yes so. uh, alright well we got a couple questions from the folks before we wrap this here show I up. I don't notice that none of them are about these. Nobody no. cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. Well, no one's going to ask further questions about World War II stuff. That's okay. <laughs> they are, people only want to donate to ask things that are important to them. Yes. Not right. to participate in our that's little right. chat here. Okay. But that's okay. Uh, if you've got anything for the Super Chat for our live show today, we've only got a few, but throw them in there in the next few minutes and we'll get to them. Uh, Anno Rook says, uh, I and the wife daily... A Toyota Master Blade, a Toyota Blade, Blade Master, Master G. G, a car they did not sell in the U.S. What is a Toyota? Wow, I don't even know what that is. It's a car with a great name. I gotta look it up. Seriously, sounds pointy. Toyota Blade Master G. It's a Corolla. Oh, okay, it's a Corolla. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is it? It's, it's a, a version yeah, of a. It's Corolla. a, it's a version of the like Corolla. A Corolla it's a sporty Corolla, basically. All right, All right. so it's it's okay. slightly Corolla-like. Here's what it looks like, folks. That's like the new hatch. It doesn't. It's not. A, it's not an unattractive Sorta. car. It's all right. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, it's an Oris with the IS three fifty V six. Oh, it's probably sporty too. Wow. Uh, soft and comfy and hilarious. Uh, for daily duties, is an ISF enough extra car to justify the cost and the fuel jump? Well, you're talking about a V eight rear wheel drive ISF. Well, what, is that the old ISF? Or I the... think so. There is uh... no new ISF. Did they, was that only a one-generation car? Yeah, it's only a one-generation mm. car. There's a GSF now, but not an ISF. The ISF, was it was only one generation? Only one the first gen. gen. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They're nice. They're pretty good. They're they, pretty good. They've aged pretty well. Have you driven one they sound recently? Good. Not recently. No, the I drove one when they were new. feels pretty good. It's surprised how well how well it's aged. The I hilarious remember. thing about that, did you ever see the barn door on the side of the air cleaner? Because they were trying to... No, oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a flap on the side. So the air cleaner box, like in every car, yeah. there's an air cleaner flap. So there's and so they put this uh, pneumatically controlled flap on the side of the air box, and when you floor it, this flap goes bloop, and oh, you, go so the, you that, get all that this, makes it go wall. Yeah, you get this big induction oh, snarl yeah. from it. Let's see. Here's an air filter box. Well, you got to do the uh, you have to do the ISF because oh, it was IS. a special. Oh. It was a special Factory box. F Sport. Mm, but it was really it. hilarious. The little barn door went bloop like that, and you hear all this induction noise. And then as soon as you got off, it slammed closed again. But the uh, qu- the question is: is there is the upgrade worth it? Well, so, it's a future collectible. So if you can find a good one in good shape, I would say yes. Yeah, I mean, is there, this a trade? Are they th- are they planning probably. on dumping? This the person lives blade? in Europe. This person lives in New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gas is pretty expensive in New Zealand, but. Like that's a really nice motor. It is a future collectible. Mm-hmm. Now you know which motor minimum that was, right? cool. It's the five liter. It's the five V8. liter. But it was the five liter out of the hybrid. Yeah, in yes. the ISF. Yes, out of the LS hybrid. Yes. Well, it's an awesome engine. Well, it was that, but that's how improvised that project was. Well, I mean, it worked out okay. 
Sometimes improvisation but, is amazing. It worked, it worked out, out all right. Okay, it did. It was an improvisation. No, what it where where it trails behind the M3 and shit. It makes up in durability and value and the fact that it works. Well, honestly, I mean, if the person's shopping, here's one thing to consider: when they do an M3, it's in the product plan from the beginning. With the ISF, it was like they had already been making the ISF for a couple of years, and there was this little faction inside Toyota that was like, "We really need to do a sporty thing like M, and we need to make sportier cars." Toyota's image is very staid. And so they were finally like, okay, fine, but you don't get much money to do it. So they took the ISF or the IS, the regular ISF, um, and they they shoehorned this motor in, but it was total improvisation. And that makes sense. It's not, yeah, it's not like an M3 where it's in the so all that stiff structure and that it's set up to have that suspension and that engine and all that horsepower from the beginning. Yeah, the IS is really that motor was grafted on to a car that was not really designed to have an MV8 in it. So a happy a happy accident though. I mean, it's kind of a cool like like the Australian Charger. It's like one of those weird cars that. Managed yeah. to slip out of a big car company. I think it's a neat smile. If I see one up in the canyons with someone driving one, I'm, I give him a smile. I'm happy to see that guy out driving. It's yeah. a nice car. I mean, it's, it's been not so long since as, I've seen one. As objectively, your points are totally valid. Yeah. But if you're talking about a daily driven car, it's a fun little daily driver. Yeah. You don't it makes see a good often. sound. I think we say the yes. Stacked pipes. The stacked pipes have to go. They're the worst. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't stick with that. Actually, did they? Well, Does the GSF have that? I can't remember. Well, honestly, they're tips. If you I know. you know the pipe, there's a single pipe, and then these two little round fake, things. I know fake things. Is, is but fake. the GSF is so. Oh, it does have it. You're right. Shit, the GSF's so lovely. I don't care. Well, That's my design stance. heritage. Now I'm sticking with it. Uh, <laughs> Andrew says, "The if there's a Radwood for boats, what are you bringing?" Oh, mm, that's a good. Well, we're not boat. I had a I had a boat. A friend of mine gave me a free boat. He was like, "I got this boat. Do you want it? I bought it in Kentucky. You can have it." Um, and it was it had the best name that was called a Fabu Glass. <laughs> Fabu <laughs> Fab Glass. Glass. That's right. That's and how you it spell was that. Too. Avocado green and white. Do you do you spell it like I think? Fabu you Glass. Uh, one S or two? I can't remember. It looked oh, just like that. Man. This one? Yes. Oh my god! It's yeah, a you terrible bring... boat. That's, <laughs> but that's Radwood for boats, right that there. Is, that might be too old. That's yeah, seventies, man. I think whatever you bring to that's Radwood has, has to have some serious um, like airbrushing on it. Well, so here's where we're at right now in the state of vintage boats because yeah. I I do read. The trades occasionally. Yes. There's the trades. Oh, vintage boats. No. No, but I, I, I Hagerty insures vintage boats. I so read I like yachting boats. magazine on airplanes sometimes. So you actually, in uh, Dupont Registry, which is a very very funny for this place for this to be, I saw. Did you see Dupont Registry a couple months ago? No, I'm not a regular. There was reader. a 1985 Apache, like 38 foot Apache. You know, twin blown 502s. Oh, like, a like, fountain a, like a fountain boat. Like yeah, a cigarette boat. Like a cigarette, yeah. Like those a things are crazy. Yeah. yeah. A fountain and, boat would be good it, for Red It was referred to in the description as having real provenance. And what that implied is that it was a Coke Cocaine. Boat. <laughs> like <laughs> genuine <laughs> Coke. Because it, it, said, it said like club raced on weekends. Right. And it was a work boat during right. the week. And the implication was that it was a coke runner in boat. Miami, and yeah, and yeah. it was, yeah. and it, that was the the provenance under which it was packaged <laughs> I, for sale. I met Reggie Found once years ago, and he was like, you know, shirt yeah. down to yes. here, the heritage, and it's just like big on a big gold chain. He had this big gold prop, yeah, you know, big gold boat propeller. And nice. I'm like, I know, dude is living the life. There you I go. know the guy who owns the Fountain brand now. Really, is not Reggie Fountain. 
It's a, a company called Iconic Marine. They're in North Carolina, and they invited me down to test their boats. And I went with my friend Bozy, who I think you know. He came, and Boyan came too, his brother. And I drove a Fountain 38, I think. A day, and they also owned Donzi and Baja. Oh, wow. And the Donzi 22 is like one of the sketchiest boats you could ever Ooh, drive. Wait, right? show it's us a, a photo. huge um, LS engine. See, Donzies were so ex- when I was a kid. Donzies were so exotic. I think this is actually me. Here's me. Yeah. Here's me and the owner. That's a pretty trim ship. This is a Donzie 22 classic, and this dude was great. He looks just like the kind of guy who sells boats. Yeah, yeah. He was fantastic. Exactly. But this boat is this was the the original real speedboat. Yeah. So this is the one they're building now. It has a six liter LS. It makes it's a three eighty three, I believe. Right. And it makes uh, like four hundred and thirty five horsepower, single prop. And it's not a particularly deep V hull. So it like it moves kind of side to side. It's a little sketchy and unstable. I mean, it's a riot if that's what you're going for. But I, I if I'm going to the bo- the Radwood of boats, there's no way I'm not showing up in a Donzi. I got to say, though, the whatever the boat is in the opening credits of Miami Vice, mm. that's the boat. Yeah. Um, well, the Miami like Vice fountain, boat. Right? I, uh, it's a fountain or maybe a like a scarab or something. Is it this? Which one is it? Where's the opening credits? I don't know where the opening credits... Yeah, there you go. Oh, wait. Must watch the video. I can't play videos because of... I am DB for boats. Oh, that's from the movie. Uh, Internet movie boat database? Maybe. (laughs) Movie boat... There is a... Yes, of course there is. Yes, there's an internet movie car database. Well, we yeah, we know about that. Oh, my God. Latest activity. Where can I... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Where did I search? The guy came Man up with, with the name. The golden gun. There are only and two entries. It. Dude, it's really not very well organized. It's not ready. No. It's not ready yet. Honest. He's still That's working right. on it. There's only, <laughs> like I said, there's only two boats on there right now. So but it's like good. a cigarette boat type. type yeah, of boat. yeah. yeah, that yeah, kind, yeah. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. That's what you're bringing to Radwood. Yes. Uh, let's see. Evan says, I'm six feet tall looking for a light sports car project for under 15000 bucks." I'm torn between a sorted Miata, N-A-N-B. Nope. You ain't fitting in that shit. With a VL with a V6 swap. Doesn't matter. Can't fit. Cater him type kit. You're really riding the edge there. A lot more money. Or N-A-F-F-R. Oh, uh, Factory 5 Racing 818C. What's an 818C? That is that kit that Factory 5 does where you buy a WRX and take it apart and to put it on their chassis. It's like a mid-engine Subaru kit car. Oh, that's it's, what the guy on this ferry had. Yeah, it's one. It's this. There's a coupe and a yeah. convertible. I'd never heard of it. He says, I got a car you never heard of. And I yeah. said, bullshit. And he, I said, drove, and he showed me this, and I like, I don't know what that is. I uh, I drove one, and I wasn't a huge fan. Wait, so they take, a wait, 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 wait. they take the Subaru powertrain, and what, do they turn it around backwards? Yeah. They they put it in the back, completely in the back. And so you can see here a Subaru center stack, a Subaru mm. gauge cluster. It's not all-wheel drive. It's like, rear-wheel drive. Uh, so yeah. this is like if, if Subaru had built an MR2. Kind of, yeah. Oh, here's a, here's a clamshell up sort of picture so you can see. Oh it's, uh, oh, it's got a rotary in it. How about that? I didn't even notice. A lot of sophistication in the chassis there. There's yeah, not a whole... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, really, I don't really recommend those. Um, if you're tall and want a, a budget sports car, where do you start? Corvette. 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 Yeah. 
Yep. You start at Corvette and yep. maybe an E36 or something like that. This guy's yeah. not a Corvette guy, but you can. My dad, yeah. So my, much made for them. Yeah, my dad fits in a Corvette. He's 6'3. You can buy yeah. them. He for has nothing. no problem in it. Yeah. I fit in a Corvette with a helmet on. I drove one for 20 years, 18 yeah, years. C5, yeah. C6s, yeah. they make great track cars. You will have huge fun yeah. and you will fit in it and be comfortable and parts and. Stuff yeah. for yeah. them, and it ha- will have factory safety equipment. And you blow a motor, yeah. and it's like, what, like four thousand dollars? Yeah, a new motor. I mean, yeah. it's some things are expensive, but for a project, I think fifteen k gets you a bunch of Corvette. I'll I'll throw this out there: you can get a real nice C four Corvette for fifteen k, like a nice one. The guy in my office is looking at one for five grand. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're cheap. <laughs> yeah, I drove a Callaway twin turbo C four. It's one of the weirdest cars you've ever driven. It was four. 475 horsepower and 575 pounds of torque at 4,300 RPM, and the red line was like 5,200. It was like a diesel. It was right, so yeah. bizarre. Uh, Chris says, Aaron, do you know of some good roads in the Ann Arbor or surrounding areas? I do. The car and driver test loop. Um, Can you find that somewhere? Hankard Road, Hadley Road, um, up by uh, Stockbridge. All right. They can, these are all Google Google Yeah, squiggly. Find the squiggly. Yeah, there's, of which there are not many. But yeah, you take North Territorial Road out to her, uh, Hadley, Hadley and Hankard Roads, and uh, you will that's you will have reached the car and driver test loop. People ask me about where to drive in LA all the fucking time. It's like so Duh. easy to find the mountains really? with the squiggly. Don't tell on them. There. Don't tell them they have to go to Arizona. <laughs> Too many people up there as it is. Uh, Fellstone Nick says, if you could make a new spec race series for any car and race in it, what would the car be? Jeep Cherokee. <laughs> no, um, a car I really have, like, I really don't Chevy, like. Chevy Spark. Uh, spec 911 Rally Cross. Spec Safari 911 Rally Cross. Well, that's a you this already, is an have, idea you already have that thing? car. No, he already no, has the car. Make a new so spec good. series oh. for yeah. any car. So you basically want to make a spec series around a car you already for own. the cars that he already but I, has. But it's not because I own the car; it's because I think that would be fun. Ooh, fun! Are there enough enough nine nine sixes out there for cheap? This is a hypothetical, that's sir. Right. Oh, so yes, in make theory, up, yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. I like that answer. Um, what do you want to make a spec series for? Um, the Pacifica Hybrid. Fiat 500. <laughs> There's so many out there, mine for nothing. Fiat 500E. Fiat 500E is a good oh, one. Spec Smart EV. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good one. What the the convertible They're... the convertible one? You couldn't <laughs> even. I don't think they know sold enough to make a grid. I mean, I have I have I have a friend who buys them very very cheap at wholesale auctions for like four thousand. Why? And then what? Why? Um, because he has a fleet of rentals. Oh. Yeah. Like, va- Heart, yeah, like that's a good go. vacation thing. Yeah, it's uh you know who it is? It's John Guzik. Uh Borrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. Borrow is his company. That's where he gets them. He gets them off lease from the auction. This is John's so. latest thing. Yeah. It's like a short-term EV leasing. So you can eat you can lease a smart EV off a of le- like you can lease it off of lease like a 36,000 mile whatever for 6 months or 3 months or 12 months with no money down. The payments are you know a little more. But it's like no deposit, no money down, short-term EV leases. But it's up he, to you to get it to where you're vacationing. Yeah. 
What? Or is it no, only here I think in LA? it's just in it's LA. Here, it's here in LA. He's trying yeah. to expand to California. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. I Last think he's like the Renaissance man of this business. Like he's got a lot he going on. He does a lot of different stuff. Months. Yeah, well, it's last really time good. he was doing a Honda vintage Honda clothing line. What happened to that? <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but I like that idea. I don't know. He also wrote about my uh, storage facility for the Hollywood Reporter. So he's got like twelve oh, things going on at once. Right. That's awesome. Uh, Will- Willsies says uh, favorite huge displacement motor. I'm talking about the Ford. Big V10, the Dodge, or whatever. 572. What's what's your favorite huge displacement motor? Uh, it would probably be the uh, 1,710 cubic inch V12 in Jay Leno's tank run. There you go. Dang. Um, what about the V16? That would be, is that that's from uh, the Blastoline vehicle, right? Yeah. yeah. 1,700 cubic inches, thereabouts. About the size of a Packard Merlin. Uh, it's the same displacement. That would be built by Mr. Randy Grubb. Mr. Yeah. Randy Grubb. And uh, I, the engine's from a Continental. He didn't build the motor. Then he, no, a, he didn't. It's a, it's a Continental, air-cooled Continental V12 out of an M60 patent tank. Very, very cool. Or M47 patent Not tank, my favorite me. Randy Grubb built. The, the Deco liner. Well, the, bus. the bus is my favorite. That, was, but, uh, uh, that was Model A. Did you ever see the Watson Roadster that was yeah. Model B? I yeah. drove, I've driven both of them. And uh, they're uh, not a car you'd want to take to... Jerk Trader goes. <laughs> I drove the I drove the deco liner from the roof. Remember the deco liner had yes. the the roof driving position, so you could drive from in the cab or yes. up on the roof. It was amazing. Really, Len- yes. Leno's car is sixteen turns lock to lock. It's it's like well, it's a bus. Jesus. It's a bus steering rack, right? It's like driving a school bus from the back seat. That's yeah. what I tell people. So here's the here's the deco liner, which is my favorite thing anyone has ever built. <laughs> and this, I drove it. I went up to Oregon and drove it. He built it completely by hand. It's oh, um, gorgeous. That was out at Pomona, you know. He, he drove it this all year. over. Yeah, yeah, he drove. He's driven it all over. But it was at the AMBR show. Inside, it's this beautiful RV, and then you go up this amazing staircase, and it's basically like the cockpit of a Chris Craft up on top. Oh my god! And you, it's just so ingenious and so simple. There's a prop shaft that usually mounts on the ceiling of the cab. You just take off the steering wheel in the cab. Pull this prop shaft down and clamp it onto the hub. Like impossible. And wrong. you just have an ex- an extender for the steering shaft that goes straight to the roof. What? And, by, you, and when it breaks, there's exactly nothing you can do about <laughs> it. Because you have to go all the way down the stairway, run there's around to the nothing front. Nothing you can <laughs> do. And then wait, you're just the, a passenger. Uh, oh, there's is that the cab? So here's the interior. Look, here's the interior with the prop <laughs> shaft connected to the roof. And then this is what it's like to drive on the roof. Here's the view. Okay. You can see that low overpass coming. And then the interior. Wow. It's <laughs> so beautiful, dude. Oh, look. Here's me in 2013 getting ready to drive it. There he is. Uh, back when you were coloring your beard. He's <laughs> 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 a dick. But I like that. You know what I like? That beast of Turin motor. That's like a 1912 oh, yeah, Fiat. Yeah. It's like 90. They're like 80 liter old. four cylinders. Yeah. yeah. Or how about like a ship motor? I like those too. Uh, Sean says thoughts on the new half ton diesel pickups anyone driven one um, you know we're actually we're contemplating right now we Kelly Blue Book's got our best buys coming up and we're contemplating doing our uh, doing our half ton comparisons with diesels so maybe we go. will maybe we you will should. do that but Aren't they uh, all new engines yeah yeah you should this is like Colorado um no, no F one F one Silverado and the oh, uh, the yeah, Ram, just the base full size. The 50, yeah. yeah, I had a new Ram. It was a gas, but I drove it. Not it was a gas. It was a yeah, V eight yeah. Hemi. It wasn't a diesel. Yes, and I it road used a lot of gas. It. it did, but 
it was a very nice place to spend your time. Oh man, the, and that you the new Uconnect, the yeah, big yeah. vertical oh, one, yeah. that's the jam. Yeah, right yeah, there. it's that's amazing. Nice. The thing that's crazy about all three of those trucks is they're so like all three of them are really really good, mm. but like you feel bad like having to rank them, and the Ram just like kicks like kicks all their asses and they're still pretty good i mean i still think the they're downside all really i think good. is the reliability haven't they had some issues i think they've had some issues oh. i don't want to we don't, don't really ram. talk about reliability uh, ram the, the rams had a couple of little recalls it's had some, some fangs they all do they all do but they're then if you get in together, that together you're buying a sixty thousand dollar coal card so. uh and let's see two more and then we're out of here night sean says again 944 turbos seem to be getting popular on Bring a Trailer. Are they worth it to have oh. fun in the summer and not lose money on? Mm. I think no. It's a kind of an expensive way to go slow. I mean, the turbo <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, faster. But, uh, you know, when stuff breaks, it's extremely expensive unless you wrench yourself. They're really expensive cars to keep running. There's a lot of Volkswagen. So, eight. like, you could definitely buy one and then sell it for the same amount of money. But, like, the in-between costs might be kind of high. Yeah. I mean, if you're buying cars to make money, you're already starting from a false yeah. premise, you know. Um, I'm honestly, I'm of the opinion that I think Porsches are just kind of a little bit, b- like, blown out of proportion. And, like, things like a 914 yeah. going for, like, ten fifteen thousand dollars I mean, is, like, sort of insane. And, and you, well, you a 914 could be $10,000. That's not excessive. But you put your finger on it. This is total coattailing. For a 914? That, that's the thing, but it, I mean, that's it's total coattailing. The 911 went bananas for many reasons, and now all the other Porsches, yeah. even the sh- you know, I won't say shitty, but the, the not not as fun ones, not as yeah. good, are are also going up. You know, I mean, listen, I like a super clean 924. I think it's a terrible car, but I think it's a beautiful car. Isn't Larry Webster it's having a cool. struggle with one right now? <laughs> yeah, well, that's we don't talk about that. So um, <laughs> this is a turbo too. But I mean, I think it's a cool car, and uh, you know, my friend's dad had one when I was a kid, and I have a soft spot for him. Would I buy one? No, because it's a lot of money to spend on a car that is yeah. just not. I've good. driven all of them, all the versions of them. It's not a driving experience that's unavailable anywhere else. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A 911 is a totally unique experience. Right. Even a kind of crappy 911 is unlike other cars. A, a front-engine, rear-wheel-drive sports car, it's not that special. Right. So I, I would say you should probably get something else. But they are pretty fun to drive. And lastly, James says, Safari Porsche Trans-American Trail Cannonball. I talked about this in the last show with Mike Harley. Not a question. Your people know how to get you to talk about things you like. (laughs) I know. Lee Keen is doing a West Coast safari event, an off-road safari event. Really? Yeah, with probably between 10 and 20 Safari 911s. It's next year. So we're doing that. This is now a thing. It's a thing. I mean, hopefully it doesn't... Apparently it's no longer a hypothetical. Since that question and this one, it's already a thing. Sue, I I hope it doesn't jump the shark first. There's more questions there. No, they were gone. No. No, there was an arrow saying more down. Oh. Well, they're gone now. <laughs> Hang on. We'll look for ourselves. Let's see. No, they're not gone. They're not gone. No, that was it. It always says the arrow. Nope, oh, it always wrong. says arrow. What else you guys want to plug before we get out of here? Haggerty, <laughs> Aaron? Haggerty. Uh, Haggerty Drivers insurance? Club, now available to anybody. You don't have to have the insurance. You just go on Haggerty.com, dig around in the website, which is going to be redesigned um, eventually, and you will find uh, a link to HDC Haggerty Drivers Club, in which case you can actually get our fabulous magazine plus roadside plus discounts. I um, love my Haggerty insurance. Yeah, I, I got to say, Two me cars. too. I'm a, I'm a customer as well. I love the roadside assistance. I have used it with success. Have you now? I've, yeah, because I've I, never had to use AAA it. AAA gives me 
five toes, a hundred miles each per year. Right. Haggerty gives me unlimited toes, a hundred and fifty miles per year for the same price. See, I told I told my dad breaking down a lot. I have a Lamborghini Countach, my friend. My bonus was less because of you. I told my don't abuse my I told my dad about all of those Haggerty perks, and he asked because his car is over twenty years old. He has an old Buick Regal. Hell yeah! He asked, "Well, can I get Haggerty insurance?" And I was like, "I don't think they cover that car." They would if he bought another Buick Regal to drive every day. See, that's the thing is we don't they won't. You have to demonstrate yeah. you have some other car. Will they cover my scooter? Do you know? My motorcycle? Uh, do they, they do motorcycle? They do vintage stuff. Only vintage. Yeah. 2009 is not <laughs> vintage enough. No, but I mean, how much does it cost? 175 it's not. bucks a year? <laughs> no, sure yeah, like, no, it's yeah, like 200 like bucks. But, but like Haggerty's, the best thing about Haggerty Insurance that I think is that they recognize that you only have one ass. And so if you have multiple vehicles, they don't, give you the sum total of insuring all those oh, vehicles right. together. Oh, yeah, yeah. They recognize that you're probably only using one of those things yes. at a time, and your risk is not the sum total of three cars. Yeah, I mean... Which is I, smart. The, the, you know, Haggerty isn't always the cheapest. And I hear from guys at car shows, oh, I call Haggerty, and they were more expensive. And it's like, well, they're not really trying to compete on price. What it is is you call the number when you have a problem, and you're not getting somebody who knows nothing about cars in India who you know is just punching. Th- it, yeah. I mean, our people actually know something about cars. They're not going to fight over you about how you get it fixed. Or I mean, that's yeah. it's a really a kind of a different. It's a different experience because it's a different customer, and that's what the company but understands. Have, so another question for you: have, Are they insuring the Delica? Because they, they will, will be. wait, they will not, they yeah. will not right, insure. Stop, wait, stop. wait, 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 wait! I'm, I'm not done yet. <laughs> they will not insure the '87 Montero. Why? Because it's too new. No, it's just because it's like, oh, it's not in the system. That's gonna change. It is. Yes, as a matter of fact, I just the Delica has a U.S. title. I don't know. Why. So does mine. Yeah. And where are you registering this vehicle? We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Offline. <laughs> yeah. So what is it? Eighty-seven? No, it's a ninety-one. Ninety-one. And it's a it's a Delica. Diesel? Yes, it's a two point five turbo diesel four by four. It's a it's a Space Gear Exceed Turbo D. <laughs> yeah, yes. lots and of buttons. It has a bunch of buttons. It has a swivel captain's chairs. Yes. It has curtains, but it does not have the crystal light roof. Oh. I didn't want I didn't want the crystal light roof. You spent it without the crystal light roof. No, but they, he had one. He had one with the crystal light roof. Oh, you bought it roof. from somebody who deals I bought it from Sean. Stuff. From Sean Morris. Top rank importers here in L.A. Oh, I, I bought the. I it. bought it in L.A. right oh, here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He's got, he's got another one. If you want the crystal light roof, hit yeah. him up. And you get a receipt with that, right? Yeah. Right. Bro, this thing has only got 20,000 miles on it. Yeah, that's amazing. 38,000 kilometers. I'm super, super stoked about that. Will Haggerty insure it? I think I hope they will. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. I hope they will. Ask your they representative. Pro- they probably will, but you have to register it. You're gonna have to fuss around with the registration. I mean, how much can we say here we online can, about how people a, break the law? Fucking enough. <laughs> uh, not enough. Having registered um, a few Japanese um, uh, gray market imports in the state of California, um, you have a challenge there. But I know. 
Um, oh, look, I'm getting reviews on my, I'm getting like critiqued on my reviews. I'm overly oh. enthusiastic. And makes me want Micah. Overly well, enthusiastic. I should talk Whatever. normally in my reviews. You should not read that. That yeah. person has not made a donation that has entitled you to read Kiss his opinion Kiss my on ass. He's gonna <laughs> me talking normally. <laughs> there you uh, go. And of course, uh, Lynn, you can see her videos at my Kelly overly Blue excited Book. videos. Overly excited <laughs> so videos at Kelly Ouch. Blue Book. And of course, follow her, Lynn, double underscore Woodward on Instagram and Air Rob Air Robinson, right? Air Robinson. A I R Robinson on Instagram I as well. That was clever. I wait, it you're here. Clever. I gotta scroll like well the fuck up to get back to you. But you get the point. Air Robinson on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Good show. Thanks for having us. Thank Thanks. you for coming. This was awesome. I love having you guys around. We'll see you again soon. Do I get to keep this magazine? Do you get to keep it, George? I get a double copy. Thanks. I get I'm gonna get it in the in the mail too. You get a smudge free one too. I am very excited. Uh, and that's it. What do we have? What is the next show? Oh, this is going to be great. The next show, it's not going to be live. I'm sorry. I'm going to New York, and uh, I'm going to do a show with Opie Hughes of the Opie and Anthony radio program. If you guys oh, remember yeah, him, yeah. he's like one of my radio like icons. Uh-huh. Uh, and Chef Carl Ruiz at his new restaurant, La Cubana. He's like a Food Network chef, mm. and he's a nice. well, he's a good friend of mine. He's a fucking lunatic, and he's the best. <laughs> and uh, so me, Opie, and Carl is going to be the next show. It's not going to be live. I'm sorry, but... Uh, Thank you all for watching. The Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by Shout Engine. Get your own damn podcast at <laughs> shoutengine.com. It's easy. All you need is a microphone, a connection to the internet, and ideally, something to 